Welcome back to Desi Discourse, a podcast designed to spark a conversation about race and racism, especially as it pertains to the Indian community. In our last episode, we explored the different ways in which our community members have experienced racism and discrimination in America. We talked about the fact that though we're immigrants to this country and have faced challenges in building new lives here, as a collective, we do have a great amount of privilege in this country. And we discussed that despite those privileges, the Indian community has largely been silent when it comes to standing up for the civil liberties of the black community. Our next speaker is Rohan, a first year medical student. He talks here about his personal experiences with racism and how he perceives the Indian community's silence regarding racism in America. I wanted to talk a little bit about my experience with racism as a kid and now growing up analyzing those experiences and seeing how we as Indian Americans have an interesting role um in society where we can both be the victims and we can propagate racism at the same time. And first I think being victims of racism I just wanted to talk about my experiences um you know I didn't experience much negative situations in middle school, high school, college as much as I did in elementary school actually. And mostly during my later years and the last 10 years I would say I've had more conversations with people and um discussed other people's experiences that they had uh while I was growing up rather than experiencing something on my own um from middle school onwards. But in elementary school I specifically remember being told to go back to my country several times and this was a few years after 9/11 I remember having my own struggling to breathe moment where a few of my supposed friends pinned me down in a trampoline and put their put their knees on my back and my neck and I couldn't and I was losing consciousness for a few minutes that memory is still vivid with me today is something that resonates me when I see decades of I can't breathe slogans against police brutality but that's besides the point right now i think i wanted to discuss my own experience as as an example of how we can be victims of racism how indians can although we are in a pretty good position financially in the society for the most part and i'm going to put emphasis on the most part i know that not everyone is as well to do here that is indian but uh, we can be victims whether that's through the pigeonholing of being a model minority right and uh with and being the model minority i think means being silent being a hard working individual who who doesn't speak out too much and doesn't talk too loudly who doesn't disagree with others and just just keeps their head down and puts in work you know and that's actually it's sometimes an issue for me and helps me transition to the topic of being a propagator of racism Although racism knows no is knows no such thing as money and no such thing as 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 fame it has everything to do with discrimination against others but there also there is a big emphasis on power you know plus discrimination right and indians have that power one as being a relatively and unfortunately in my opinion neutral group racial group in america uh 
and two, being a group that has one of the highest incomes in this country. And with money comes power. But I've, I see that power used towards personal gain rather than, you know, communal gain. And in, and personal gain is through silence. And that silence for me is deafening. What is said behind closed doors, whether that is positive or negative, may not be necessarily said outside of those closed doors. And I've been a victim of this myself. I have myself have not spoken up in situations where I could have. Right. Um, I myself have seen people not speak up when they could have. And I think that silence where we refuse to to align ourselves with a certain school of thought, we refuse to align ourselves with the movement, I think is is an issue that we'll always be dealing with until we have a group of people. And I think that is my generation and the generations after me who decide that something isn't right here once we decide to become a closer and closer part of this country. I know we are at a very, we're just in a weird situation where our existence in America is, is, can either be very quiet or very powerful. But I, fe- I feel that it is important for us to make sure our voices are heard when it comes to situations, when it comes to experiences and institutional racism that affects the very minorities, the very group of black people that helped us as Indians immigrate here that allowed us to do that through their civil rights movement and helped us establish ourselves as one of the top, you know, highest income earning groups in America, you know. And that goes, that doesn't mean that we can't have a difference of opinion politically, socially, economically, but it does mean that we cannot propagate the tenets of racism against groups that helped us get here in the first place. The biggest example that I can give is words that are used to demean black people in this country, such as Kala and Kalu. These are words that are regularly used, you know, the racism that is within us and ourselves to prefer people with lighter skin than darker skin, which is everywhere in the world, but is very common in Indian society. So I think it is these things, the usage of words behind closed doors against groups that we have nothing against, you know, the usage of um, silence as a tool, not here. It's complicit silence. Silence that is complicit in aiding institutionalized racism in this country is something that we need to talk about, discuss, and have more open conversations. There's a lot to unpack here, so let's break it down a little. First, the concept of silence as complicity. That's actually been a key theme of this latest round of Black Lives Matter protests. So let's talk about that. Why does being silent on issues such as racism make you complicit? I mean, fundamentally, racism is a system that exists in America. It is a set of policies, a set of systems, a set of biases ingrained in our institutions and society. These are things that, with great effort, can be changed, dismantled, removed. By not speaking up against racism, or by not taking action against these racist structures, you are allowing them to continue working as they have for hundreds of years. You are allowing them to continue on into the future. And in this way, you are contributing to the continuation of systemic racism in America. Rohan also mentioned some much more explicit ways 
and the Indian community contributes to the propagation of racism in America through racial slurs that are used to demean and through anti-black stereotypes that are rampant both in the U.S. and in India. These stereotypes aren't new. Our grandparents have them as well. As we move forward, it's critical to question where these assumptions and stereotypes come from and why we continue to believe them. Some scholars say that anti-black sentiment emerged within India during the colonial period, while others argue that it existed far prior to that. On our website, desidiscourse.com, we've compiled resources to serve as a starting point to try to understand where all of this comes from. Next, we'll be hearing from Anish, currently in ninth grade, sharing his story about how anti-black discrimination plays out at his school. My school had an IB program. Quick side note, an IB school is a school that offers an international baccalaureate program. The school is split into an IB section and a non-IB section. The IB students would not have any classes with the non-IB students, and this created a divide between the groups of people. Some of the non-IB students tended to be more mischievous than the IB students. The teachers would sometimes punish the non-IB students more harshly than the IB students because of that bias. For the same circumstance, a non-IB might have a stricter punishment than an IB student. This is such a great call out. I actually went to an IB middle and high school and so have experienced this myself. It's important to note that IB schools in Richmond are very racially segregated. The majority of IB students are white or are of East or South Asian descent, and the majority of non-IB students are black. There's definite privilege that Anish calls out that IB students, think white or Asian students, had here. They're perceived as less threatening or less likely to cause disruption. And if they did break the rules, there's a sense of, they're just fooling around, they're on the right path, and they'll figure it out soon enough. Meanwhile, if a non-IB student, remember predominantly black, committed the same offense, or even a lesser offense, they would be punished to a significantly higher degree. The impact of this isn't trivial. It can lead to detentions and suspensions that take time away from school and learning. And especially as the offenses start to pile up, make it increasingly difficult for black students to access a good education. This is one of those racist systems that we need to speak out against. By staying silent, remaining passive, and letting the system continue on as normal, the impacts of the system also continue on. These racist systems have been under much needed public scrutiny since George Floyd's death and the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. In our next episode, we're going to hear community members processing George Floyd's death and reacting to the Black Lives Matter movement. See you next time on They See Discourse.